Hey everybody, this is Eddie Dacius on our 14th episode. Yes, we got 14 episodes in our belt. This was great. Um, like usual, this episode is brought to you by Dacius Facilities Management. Dacius Facilities Management, they will manage your property. We prefer all your services, such as cleaning, vendor management, construction. Call them now, 617-237-0106 or go online at DaciusFM.com, DaciusFM.com. So we have a great guest for you today. Um, his name is Vital Garcia. Vital Garcia is uh, is from Portugal. He's a professional and he works in uh, as an agent for life insurance. And Vital will be with us. So this is our 14th episode, and this is Eddie Dacius. Welcome to the Divine Purpose Podcast, where we transport you along one of the more dynamic journeys of life. Have you ever been curious to know what it takes to become a successful leader? Or about knowing the secrets of life through the Bible? How about engaging in conversation where no topics are off limits? We will take you to new levels with guests who can help you grasp the importance of your calling. Now, here's your host, Eddie Dacius, founder of Dacius Facilities Management. Hey, Mr. Vita Garcia, how are you today? Hi, sir. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very thank much. You. No, thank you for coming in. We appreciate it. And one way we like to start this uh, episode, this show, is to try to know you. Uh, you are our guest today. So what can you tell us about you? Uh, sometimes it's hard to, to even be able to answer that question in a short uh, I'm a man of very background. Okay. Uh, both ethnically and professionally. Yep. Uh, normally, if someone asks me, I prefer to tell them I am a Christian. Yes. Uh, I am a God servant. Wow. Yeah. And I'm someone that believes that every human being, when we are born on earth, we are born with a purpose. Oh, wow. And yes. we are born with a purpose not only to honor God, but also to be a blessing to other human beings, no matter the color, the background experiences. Wow. But uh, I have a multi-ethnic back- background, the mix from Portuguese, Cabernian, Angolan, and so forth. Okay. And uh, my great-grandfather came to the United States in 1908. Wow. And so a third of my family has roots here in New England since 1908. <laughs> wow. So, and the other two thirds has been coming to the United States since 1908 in different stages, different times. And some are still coming in, yeah, probably down the future. <laughs> but uh, I have a huge family and uh, my family on my dad's side, last name is Reyes like a R-E-I-S, like a king. And there are even stories that we are tied to the three uh, special men that visit Jesus when he was born in Bethlehem. They brought the gifts. So there are stories, that's how we got our last name, Reyes, the kings from that, uh, that that tradition. But that's a long story. I can't go through that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... But we are all over. We are all over. We've been all over. We have the people, family, relatives all over Europe, all over Africa, all over Brazil, in America, all over. We are a big youth family. Yes. Wow, wow. That's very fascinating, um, Garcia. Um, to be honest, I, I want to know I want to know more because um, one thing we lack in this podcast is to, to, to dive deeper on on those topics. So can you take us like where, how did you know about your story? So can you take us where, like who told you? So how did you came about to know about all, about your story with your family? How yeah, you- as I say, it's a very, I'm, I'm, I always be interested in knowing more about my, my ancestries. And uh, I went back to the 1700s. Okay. Uh, there was a Portuguese Lieutenant his name was Jose Reis Borges. Uh, he was married. Uh, he was a Portuguese lieutenant, and he was assigned by the king, the Portuguese king at that time. Okay. You go and be the head of the defense or the military at in the at the Cape Verde Islands. So the Cape Verde Islands are a group of nine islands that belongs to Africa, even though they're not connected to Africa. 
Okay. They are pretty much in the middle of the ocean, Atlantic Ocean. So they are between the, Afri- the continent of Africa and in Europe. So there are two stories. Some stories say that uh, Africans from the West Coast Africa used to go there, but never lived there before the white European arrived. So they used to go there just fishing and whatever. Okay. But of the most recognized stories that the Portuguese uh, sailor found the island inhabited. And then during the slavery, the island was used as a refueling state port. So pretty much they would carry slaves from the west coast of Africa and put them on islands. Okay. Wait for bigger boats to carry them over to Brazil, to United States of America, to Jamaica, to Cuba. Yeah. But meanwhile, <laughs> say again? I paid it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm Asian, so. To all over Caribbean and all over America. But meanwhile, they were waiting there for the big boats to come and carry the slaves. The slave master start mixing with the slaves. Yeah. So uh, mostly we Portuguese, but they have, we have Dutch, we have Italians, we have French, we have Spaniards. We have all over different parts of Europe, and then that's why you find uh, even that we have a uh, Cavernians with uh, all kind of backgrounds. Um, you have Cavernians with last name Spanish, last name Portuguese, last name Dutch, last name French. Due to all this mix, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but my ancestry, ancestor, uh, um, uh, Jose Reis Borges, came there to be the head of the military with his wife and three sons. And those three sons married, and on average, they married two, three wives. The children okay. married three, four, five wives. <laughs> yeah. And from there, I have a, a relative of mine, also the same, uh, we, have, we share the same uh, ancestor. I live in Portugal, Rui Reis Borges, even creating a big database to try to track all descendants of that family that we are part, we all share the same. And it's not finalized, not even close to, but as of right now, he found out more than 3,500 descendants of that same family. Wow. More than 3,500. We have a group, we have a Facebook group. What? Uh, yes, he created a Facebook Facebook group. Wow, and every day or every other day, you see new names being added into the group. So when we are all over. We are in Africa, we are in Europe, we are in Latin America, we are uh, in Australia, we are all over. You find people from all shapes. From very, very white, blue eyes, blonde hair, to darker, darker. <laughs> so wow. in everything between. And, you know, we have a, because, you know, we are all over. This is talking about uh, 17th century. Now it's 21st century. For for the past four, sec- four centuries, yes. the family been spreading all over and mixing and remixing. And, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing, really. But uh, so I, I, me, myself, and him, we've been working a lot because he found out that I'm one of those persons. I'm very curious. I would like to learn more. Okay. So uh, we are connected. And I have a few other members, family trying to help him to find more information about. Because back in the day, they didn't have data. They didn't have computers, you know. So we got to try to locate uh, uh, death certificates, uh, birth certificates, and more document, documents like that to trace, you know. Wow. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's working. He said he's going to dedicate his entire life to updating the data and, you know, be able to... <laughs> get more information as possible so uh that's we find out and then because that man he was a portuguese he was assigned by the portuguese king to go there so we knew he was a lieutenant colonel in the army so he was he had a very high position in those days to be associated with the king you got to be someone responsible someone with uh, some connections and then we we went back and i have a document i came forward to you later on Yes, they trace the origin of this last name, R-E-I-S. In Spanish, they use R-Y-E-S. It's the same last name as well. Wow. So it's a branch between Spain and in Portugal. And there are roots, as I said, we cannot confirm that, you know. But uh, <laughs> uh, the story is that, that uh, you know, uh, we are connected to the uh, the kings that visited Jesus, you know, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's uh, amazing. I, I don't want to say it's true. I don't know, but <laughs> that's one of the stories in the family. Yeah. Wow. Like um, that's an amazing story, and and I think that's gonna be very interesting to find out more about your family, because at the end of yeah. the day, creating a group chat for over like three thousand, you said three thousand people. Yeah. Wow. And that's not even completed. 
He just, he, and this 3,500, 3, I believe he's probably last year. So he still collect the names and he does, he does collect the name and put them in, he got to verify them. Okay. So every time he got a new clue, he got to find out, okay, who are your parents? Who are your grandparents? Who are your great-grandparents to make sure, he, you know, you are kind of legit confirmed part of the family tree, wow. then you want to put you in. So as I said, uh, we are all over. We are all over. Yeah. So. Gracia, so let's go to Portugal. You said you grew up in Portugal. Can you take us there? What was what was it like growing up in Portugal? Oh yeah, uh, Portugal is a very tiny country, South Europe, and many people know about Portugal. And in the past probably 20 years, mostly or not mostly, but many times because of a very famous uh, word people in America call soccer, overseas they call football. Yes. Uh, one of the most famous football players, soccer player worldwide, and people say it's good looking, <laughs> is Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes. So Cristiano Ronaldo is Portuguese player, one of his best, Portuguese, most famous Portuguese players probably right now in the world. So he's been very successful. I started playing. I, I followed his career because I was in Portugal when he started. He started like at 16, 17 years old, become professional. Uh, he went to play at MU, Manchester United in England, and then later yeah. Spain. Now he's playing Italy. So he's Portuguese because of him. But Portugal is a very small, tiny country, but a very historic country. Uh, beautiful. Uh, have a good, uh, they're not rich resources, but they have very good uh, tourism. Okay. One of, uh, traditionally, Europeans from North Europe. Because North Europe is cooler, colder than than Southern Europe. So North Europeans will buy properties or mostly come down to South Europe to spend the summer because it's harder. The beaches are warmer. Like here in the United States, if you go to Florida, the beaches in Florida are warmer than beaches here in New England. So same thing in Europe. So people from Scandinavian, people from England, Germany, or North Europeans like to go to Portugal. Uh, the southern Portugal region is called Algarve. It's one of the best beaches in Europe. They buy houses there, buy properties there. And some of even when they retire, they come live, spend mostly the fall and winter down in Portugal because wow. it, even though it's cold, it's not as cold as up north. And uh, so it's a very beautiful country. And I uh, grew up there and uh, I have family relatives there all over Europe, in Spain, in France, in Switzerland, in England uncles, cousins, we spread all over. And I finished even my school there before my family located here to the United States. So I have very good memories. Uh, I still in touch with many classmates, friends, and uh, I have relatives there, as, as I said. So, uh, in fact, another thing many people don't know, this Cristiano, famous Cristiano Ronaldo, his grandmother was born in Cape Verde Island too. So, that's another story. Many people don't realize, yes, he have, he have a connection with the Cape Verde Islands too. But uh, but uh, I grew up there, so uh, so growing up there, I had a very normal life like most uh, middle class families had. We are families of immigrants that move move over there. So our parents, our uncles, uh, moved to Europe seeking better social life uh, for themselves and for mostly us. We were the younger, you know, the future generation, and mostly our my generation were not in Portugal. Mostly, only probably the oldest people are stayed there. The young generation started moving out of Portugal. As I say, it's a very beautiful country, but limited resources. It's one of the smallest countries in Europe. So down mm-hmm. the years, most of my cousins moved to Spain, to Switzerland, to France, to England, where they found they could have some other options. I come, mm-hmm. I end up here, and many also end up here in the United States. Okay, so. Um, back then, what was it like? Uh, what did you like exactly um, in Portugal? Like things you used to do, you like to do? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I just say Portugal is a very beautiful country. A lot of people like to go there for tourism. It's very historic. They have a lot of castles. Uh, back in the day, when Europeans started going overseas to discover, they called discover. You know, found the other 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 places and civilization. Portuguese was one of the first one. So the Portuguese, the Spaniards, the Dutch were the first one, and the French. And the English, British came back later. Even though later British become the dominant power, initially the Portuguese and Spaniards were the first one going. And uh, so Portugal is a very historic country, beautiful. You know, they have good food, good uh, pastry. They're very welcoming people. And if any, any tourist visitor goes to Portugal, they feel very welcoming. Of course, they have challenges like everybody else. Okay, they're not perfect place. They're not perfect world, a country, you know, say. But uh, I grew up like most people, uh, play, playing football or soccer you know, yeah. outside, outside with other children. That's the dominant sport in Portugal, all, all, all over the world, outside the United States. 
So we play soccer, uh, you know, biking, playing volleyball. I grew up with sports. I've always been involved in sports. So I did boxing, I did judo, I did track. I did, I did many sports growing up. It's I love sports. Wow. Yeah, yeah, all my life I did sports. I think the one I did the longest probably was track. I did track for three, four years competitively in high school. In, in high school. And uh, so I grew up in a neighborhood where most people are immigrants or the sense of immigrants. So uh, we, we just... Love to hang it around, you know. Uh, we uh, go went to same churches, uh, participate in events, uh, community events, and uh, normal life, normal life, yeah. uh, normal <laughs> life. And uh, thank God, you know, at that time it wasn't the crime wasn't as bad as sometimes happened today back in yeah. or in some other places, you know. Uh, Back in the day, we could spend all day outside the street playing. You know, our parents wouldn't worry too much that someone was going to come and uh, try to kidnap us or do anything wrong, harm us. In fact, we prefer to walk to go to okay. school instead of taking buses, you know. But uh, yeah, it was just normal, normal life. Uh, most people in Europe back in the day have, you know, and I enjoyed, enjoyed, enjoyed. So now, got a quick question I have for you. So how often do you go to, do you go back or do you visit? Unfortunately, I don't go back as I used to, as I want to. The last time I went, I believe, was 2013. And the reason is that, you know, the cost of living, the cost of tickets, and I have to be married, family. So if I go myself, it's easy. I want a ticket. If I need to bring my family. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot more expensive, even though it's short flight. You know, Portugal is only six hours away. But oh, I have family, wow. so yeah, six hours flight from Boston. You get direct flight, direct flight from Boston, six hours. Uh, six hours, I, wow. That's yo, that's six hours flight. Yeah, six hours flight. Uh, it's uh, it's like it's more than going to Hawaii, you know? No, not really. Well, it's same time if you fly from Boston to LA, Los Angeles, it's six hours flight. No, what I'm saying is, um, Hawaii is it's about like ten or twelve hours. Well, yeah, yeah, it's shorter. Yeah, but, it's shorter than you go Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii is like fourteen hours, six hours. You got to fly six yeah. hours to LA, West Coast, and yeah. then you got to fly another yeah. eight or ten hours. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's longer to go to Hawaii to go to Portugal. They so, not a flight every day from the from Boston to Lisbon. Okay. And, uh, and another thing many people don't realize that uh, if you go today to Fall River, almost half people in Fall River, if you go to New Bedford, half yeah. people in Bedford, those are all Portuguese descendants because Portugal have two islands, the Azores and Madeira. So okay. Portuguese from those islands been coming to the United States since the 11th century, 13th century back there. So most fishermen in the New England area are descendants of Portuguese. Is this seven, wow. eight, nine, ten generations? Yes. I yes. would. I didn't know that. I didn't. Many know people that. don't know that. Many people don't know that. Yeah. Many wow. people don't know that. So, uh, so we are Africans mixed with Portuguese, the Cabrians, and Angolans, because when the Portuguese. The big difference between the Portuguese and the French and the Spaniards and the Dutch and the British was yep. after they left Europe to spend the you know all over the world. The Portuguese were the first one going and the last one leaving, and the Portuguese were the one that mixed it up more with the natives everywhere they went compared to the other ones. British didn't mix as much. You don't see many descendants of British and native countries where British were. British were in England. They didn't marry many in India. They went in, they've been, they were in Nigeria. They were in South Africa. They didn't see many, but the Portuguese mixed a lot. So everywhere they went, they, they mixed racially, married, you know, intermarried with the local the natives. So that's why the country speak Portuguese in all over the world. In fact, not only in Africa, Brazil. It's another one. Brazil speak Portuguese. Brazil is the biggest country speak Portuguese outside Portugal because they have over 200 plus million people and they were colonized by Portugal as well. And the Portuguese, everywhere they went, they intermarried with the natives. So this made those countries to be more uh, racially mixed. Wow. So that's happening in Cape Verde, in Angola, Mozambique, Guinea-Bissau, San Tomé Islands, and Brazil. So uh, it, it makes sense. It makes sense what you're saying, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and definitely. But let's stick a 360 on. Okay, so now you left Portugal to to be in the United States. What was this transition? Uh, it wasn't really. Uh, I can't say bad or hard. Uh, it was just about 21 years ago. Uh, so what many people don't realize, if you grew up in Europe or mostly people grow up outside the United States of America. You know a lot about the United States of America before the movie. A lot. <laughs> yeah. And really? sometimes you know even more what, than people. What did you know? Yes. Sometimes you know even more than people that are born raised in the United States of America. <laughs> Can you give me an example? Yes. You know why? Because the education system overseas 
in Latin America, Europe, Africa, Asia, they incorporate what most people would call a world geography, world history, a little bit more than what is taught in ISIS America. Okay. So if you finish a middle school in Europe, in Africa, Latin America, in Asia, you know a lot more about the world history, world geography, and probably most middle school in the United States would know. Because in United America, so when I finished my middle school in nice in Portugal, I knew all about a lot of the major topics of the history of United America. You know it. They want to teach you how the United America started, how it was free from British England. Uh, you're going to know about a little bit about the Constitution of America, about the history of slavery in America, the, the issues of racial issue, the everything that many people born in America don't learn those things unless you go to college or you decide to learn yourself or you have yeah. family members that don't talk to you about it. People overseas knows that some European countries today they start teaching their kids, <coughs> excuse me, they start teaching their kids the English language at first grade. Many European countries do that. You know, the Scandinavian, like Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Finland. Those those countries, when the kids finish middle school, they all fluent in English. English there is like a second language for them. It's like a native language. So today, many people moving to Latin America, they know a lot about Latin America. They know the good things, the less good things. They know, uh, you know, they know history. The geography, yeah, yeah. you know, I American city space. They know all these things. I knew all these things before coming to Latin America. I didn't know anything. I, 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 I can attest to this because, like I said, I grew up in Haiti and I knew a lot in terms of I, I spoke English back in Haiti and mm-hmm. learning English from high mm-hmm. school. There was we had to take a English mm-hmm. and Spanish too. So French is our official language. Mm-hmm. But um definitely and I understand. But where I was at is mostly the actual transition where you're not in your country anymore and there's a new way of living here you need yeah. to be so, accustomed to. Yeah, for me, as I said, uh, and of course, you live in a country where it, the language is English, everybody spoke English, but as I say, English it was an issue for me. I grew up, grew up in Portugal. When you go to sixth grade, middle school, you got to take a, what's called a one foreign language. You pick English or French. I took English. When you go to high school, you need to add another second foreign language. I had French. So I studied English, I studied English from sixth grade to 12th grade, then I studied French in the high school. So in the high school, I had both English and French. And even though my French today is not as good as it used to be. But I was very good in French. I can still be, speak basic words. I can keep saying, Comment tu t'appelles? Comment allez-vous? Qu'est-ce que vous faites dans la vie? Few basic stuff I can manage. And another advantage, because people don't, many people don't know this all as well. You know, if you speak one of the Roman language fluently, like Portuguese or Spanish or French, Italian, there are another 14, 16 languages all combined. They all rooted in Latin. The base is Latin. So yeah. like you, I know people from Asia, Asian speaks French. I speak Portuguese and also speak Spanish. If you speak any, you know, one of these languages, it's very easy for you to learn other languages because yeah. the base is Latin, right? It's easy to learn. So it's not hard because you know the basic grammar structure make it easier for you. So me coming here, I already knew I speak English. I didn't learn English here. Some people come to both English. I didn't. I knew English, you know? In my marriage channel, it was pretty much maybe speaking is more fluent as I speak today. But I grew up speaking English. In fact, okay. I went to a Bible seminary in Portugal before moving to the United States. Most of my teachers or half of my teachers were Americans. Okay. And they spoke to me English. I practiced English with them. So I grew up, I have a, every year I have a conference in Portugal for, I went to one time to Holland for a conference, International Youth Christian Conference, where the official language is English. You see, most teenagers in Europe speak English. Yeah. So people that grew up overseas, they come to America, they don't have issue language because they kind of, they can adapt, adapt to that. The other issue is, yes, you're going to adapt the lifestyle in America will be different. Of course, America is a youth country. The size of America is almost the size of a third or half of the England, uh, of the Europe, I'm sorry. So the time you take you to fly East Coast, West Coast, six hours, is the time you take you probably to fly from Portugal to, to Russia or Portugal to Austria. So like a cross in Europe, the same time yeah. you take you to fly within the United States. That's one of the biggest challenges to see, oh, this is youth, you know? So you drive by car from Portugal to the border of Spain, it's two hours for Lisbon. Two hours. Two Here, hours. Here, if you want to go to Florida, you probably need a twenty hours drive. If you drive without gas stop, <laughs> that's one of the bigger difference you find. You know, everything's much wide spread. Yeah, yeah. Yes, bigger. It takes longer to you know 
to go from one side to other side. Of course, the language English everywhere you go speak people people speak English, not Portuguese or Spanish. Your language you used to, you know. But uh, other than that, uh, the food like uh, I'm making hot dogs, pizza, burgers. That's you can find in Europe, in Africa, everywhere you go. So it was an adjustment for us. Uh, uh, as I say, because we have people coming here. So v- Vita, yeah. so yes. let me ask you this. So what was the big adjustment for you? So like what things really have you, like you had a challenge to adjust to? Is it the weather? So can you tell us what, so, what was it? The weather in New England, New, New England, yes. The weather in New England is cooler. I, I initially, I didn't, I spent mostly, I spent 14 years in the South, in Texas, Louisiana, mostly Louisiana. Yeah. I graduated from LSU, Louisiana. I did my master's in Louisiana. So I spent most of my time in the South. And the reason why I didn't want to move to North, even though most of my family's relatives are here in New England, is cold weather. I like cold weather and I like snow, really. I enjoy snow and cold weather, but I like snow only two weeks, Christmas and New Year, only. Okay. <laughs> Give me snow. Only do the holiday. I like oh, man. what they call white white Christmas. Good luck. <laughs> yes, that's what I like. I like to you know, see the road street. Oh man, that would be hard. But other yeah. than that, because it's too much work for you to go out every morning, clean the cars, clean your car. And if you live in Boston, driveway. yeah, yeah, clean the driveway, and then reserve your driveway, and be lucky that someone won't try to steal it from you. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, probably the big adjustment will be that. Not that the cold, I don't have issues with cold, but when it snows too much, just the hazard, you know, the, yeah. the work that come with it, I didn't like it too much. But other than that, I didn't have issues, you know, like uh, uh, racially, some people maybe come from a place where they're not used to deal with different race background. Yeah. There's, not my, there's, not, not, there's not my issue. Because I come from a family where we have all kind of races. I have uh, my sister, one of my sisters married a white man. As I tell you, my great-grandmother, my great-grandfather was a white man. So for people like me and many people like us, you come from a multi-ethnic background family. Yes. We are grew up, I grew up, for instance, speaking Portuguese, Spanish, Cavalian Creole. So I grew up in a family where people spoke to me three, four languages at the same time. I can talk to this one in Spanish, and then turn around speak someone in Portuguese, and turn around speak to someone in Cavalian Creole. <laughs> yes. So I grew up with a, I grew yeah. up with a white fam, white family members, white, white, blue eyes, blonde hair, and darker, darker than me, and some in between. So for me, it was not an issue. Yeah. You know, racially, like some people might have, and food was not an issue because that's I've had a lot of food before. So as I said, the biggest challenge probably just everything is far spread. You got to not. I used to go drive maybe one hour or half an hour to go to the beach. Now if you're on a nice beach, a warm beach, I got to go many more hours. In the cold weather, it's not more. Like Lisbon doesn't snow as much like North Portugal. Overall, Portugal, Portugal doesn't snow. It's not a county cold. The, cold, the weather is not as cold as here. Some place snows, but overall, most county doesn't snow. You know, maybe that. But uh, as I say, in terms of adjustment to people, to the culture, uh, yeah, me, you didn't have, it, yeah, you didn't have, yeah, that's, and that's great. That's great to hear because, like you said, um, growing up speaking multiple languages give you and being around multiple type of races races is that kind of give you that uh ability to adapt uh, uh adapt quickly but now yeah. uh, now let's let's take a uh, quick turn into your education going to college and what was your choice choices and why did you go for for what you um you learn now uh i i am somehow following uh, my current job is not uh, I, I won't say it's not connected but it's not fully 100% what I want to call it for so my calling was for concentration in audit risk management okay so out of college uh, I worked for ExxonMobil uh, for almost 10 years And uh, I was based in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia for two, three years of that 10 years. I was working in Angola, West country, uh, West Africa. Uh, I've been in Brazil, I've been in many places for that company. So 
So uh, my my career, most of my career, probably 70% has been in risk management, auditing, accounting, and finance. That's what I did most of my life okay. before I relocated back to Boston in 2016. So, and I relocated back to Boston for family reasons. A family member sick, so I had to be back close to my family member to assist in you know in situation that uh, my family was facing. And uh, so, but I love doing it. And probably I thought I would do that for the rest of my life, for the rest of my career. But as I said, for family reasons, I had to move to locate Boston. And then when I locate Boston, I wasn't sure at the beginning what to do. Should I keep going doing what I'm doing or do something else? So uh, I ended up doing a little bit what I was doing, accounting, finance, but I started looking, okay, what something that gives me flexibility in terms of uh, more independence, I can manage my schedule a little bit easier. Yep. And give me a little bit more out control. Me deciding, excuse me, you know, that's when someone approached me about uh, working in for New York Life. And to be honest with you, honest with you first time they, someone contacted me was in 2016. Okay. And I say, hey, thank you. Uh, they have, uh, in New York Life, they have uh, what they call a fast path to management uh, and that's most for people they already did MBA master's degree and I do have a master's degree MBA so that's why the person reached out to me saying you know you have a master's degree I like your experiences working in oil and gas company for almost first 40-15 years of my career oil and gas company he say I see your background I like you it looks that you have very good you are a good fit but like most people today if you tell them the word New York life the first thing coming to, to their mind is insurance, life insurance. Okay? And yeah. somehow it's true. <laughs> somehow it's true. Yes. It's okay. one of the major services they provide. New York Life, we provide. Yeah. Okay? But it's not that we only do that. We do a lot more than that. So I have that idea too. Okay? To go sell life insurance, I'm not interested. So I, I didn't want to join as a thank you. But then last year, uh, I door open again, and then I, be, I was contacted again. And this time, I asked questions more than I should have asked probably three, four years ago. Okay, what really you do, how you do it, etc. And then the more they explained me, I realized, okay, yes, they do life insurance, but it's not the only thing. And some of our employees don't even do life insurance. They only do something else. They do more financial, like investments. They do more uh, mutual funds. Wow. They do more 401ks. They do more uh, RIAs, that's called for uh, individual retirement account, RIA. Wow. There are two kinds, you have the traditional one, you have the rough one, you know. So some people just specialize in long-term care. Some people specialize just in uh, college fund, you know. So we have so much services, so much other things you can do than just life insurance. Of course we do life insurance, yeah. It's one of our main, main services we provide, but we, only, we don't just do that. So after then, it stood, oh, wait a minute, it's not only that. And people like me come from the accounting, finance background, risk management. I, I'm a, I consider myself a numbers guy, numbers person. So for me, it's okay. Uh, if I can go there, I can do more than just life insurance. I can do a lot of work related to numbers. And I like working in investments. Oh. You know, I like working in managing portfolios. You can do for companies, for individuals, for families. So after then, it stood better. You know what they do, how they do it. I said, well, wait a second, I like this. You know, that's why I decided then to say, okay, uh, I'm gonna join in. The challenge is sometimes is that uh, you got to go through the uh, certification process. Yeah. You know? So, what can mm -hmm. you tell us about that? Because I heard it's kind of challenging situation, or to kind of go to get be um to professionally to get where you want to be you need to be certified for a lot of um, services to provide is that true yes yes so uh what many people don't realize is that uh, the insurance business industry it is one of the most regulated uh industry business in the united states and there's a good reason for it you know uh some people can make mistakes some people could be an unintentional mistake they didn't want to, it just happened because they didn't know what they was doing or they did something they thought was right. But some people might try to take advantage, you know. Uh, that's why they had to put the rules in place to ensure anyone that want to be involved in this kind of business 
they're properly trained. They know what they're doing. And they know the boundaries. And they will always take in consideration the good of the client. Okay? So the history of the industry is that same thing like all the stock investments. Because the the life insurance industry or investment industry, they kind of are tight. When the government start the stock market after the collapse during the First World War, like 1960s, 1917s, 19s, then the collapse happened. Later on, they decided to start uh, the, they call the act to start the, the stock exchange markets. They realized, hey, if we don't have rules, people gonna play around, they can take advantage of people that are not knowledgeable, they don't understand very well uh, how to manage portfolio investments. So to avoid that, they put rules. So the same thing applies to our industry as a life insurance, if you want to do insurance particularly, specifically. So for you to become an agent with New York Life or any insurance company, you go through an extended background process. Yes. Wow. You got to go, they take your 10 fingerprint, check your background. You cannot have any, any, uh, Word flag. Oh, yes. For instance, no word flags, right? If you've been in jail for a crime you committed, normally you don't qualify to work for any insurance company. You got to wait 10 years after you finish your sentence before you can qualify just to work for an insurance company. 10 years. So, I mean, you got to be in good standing. You got to be a low-binding citizen before they even hire you, okay? So, that's wow. to help any clients understand. When you're talking to a, a laughing agent, insurance agent, or any agent for these major companies, these people being vetted. They got to be vetted first. Hold on, hold on. Even they hire. And after you hire, before, before you can do services, they got to be licensed. That means for every service, like a, the license for life insurance is not the same license for health insurance. So you got to wow. pass each one, yes, individually. So you got to study, take exam. Then the exam is not done by us, it's done by a third party company, all right? You pass the exam, then you can request a license to, to be doing like a life insurance. But, but, okay. Vita, Vita, yes. so. So why? Okay, and what you just said so makes sense and this is new information for me personally. But why there's that fear of life insurance agent? People still feel they they shouldn't be trusted. I don't know if you ever encounter this situation where they don't trust life insurance agent people because they think they're gonna they're gonna come here and then take their take advantage of them or take their money yes and as i say those those concerns are legit and i do understand them i have nothing against them and no good uh agent should fear them as, as well but uh personally i believe uh there are many reasons of course i think one of the main reasons is just lack of knowledge understanding okay because we as human beings, our normal tendency is to be, we base our current, present experiences and future decisions based on our experiences, something that happened in the past. If someone tells a bad story about someone that did something wrong, we keep that inside our mind. And every time we hear that word or that person, we associate with a bad story someone told us before, we say, well, yeah, I don't like it because I think it's bad. Okay, is it first impression? So many people made mistakes in the past or they heard bad stories about life insurance and assume that because it happened before it would happen to me. Well, that's not the case. You know, uh, many of us drive cars, we have car accidents, but we never stop driving car after an car accident, right? We keep yeah. driving cars. Why? Because we understand just because I have a car accident doesn't mean that it's going to happen every day. Okay. And it don't happen every day. You know what I mean? So I think because we have understanding that car accident is going to happen, but not every day. And when it happens, they're more like a, an, uh, an exception than norm. So because we have a good knowledge and understanding of that, it gives us confidence, even after car accidents, to go back and keep driving. Well, that same thing need, is needed for people to understand. The more people know about the qualifications of uh, life insurance agents, Okay. To understand these people are professionals. 
well, uh, well, assuming that they're coming for very good standing companies, okay? And there's a difference because there are many companies there, but overall companies, it got to be in a good standing because there is an administrator that manages, okay? All agents in, in all companies. Okay. And we, if we violate the rules, it can be fine. Yeah. They can take your license and then you can go to jail. Okay? okay. So what I would tell people, don't be fear to talk to an agent. Of course, if you talk to them, you don't feel comfortable or you heard something you don't like, you don't appreciate, or raise you any concern, just say, okay, uh, I'll talk to you later. And you can call the company or look for a second opinion. They tell you something, they raise you some red flags, you're not comfortable, you're not really sure, take a note. Say, thank yeah. you. I don't want to take any decisions today. I'll talk to you later. And go look for another second or third opinion. Talk to another agent in a different company. Okay? Say, listen, I heard about this one. You don't, you don't even need to mention who you talk to or what company. You say, someone told me that insurance company do this. Is that true? Or you said you can go Google out. Today with the internet, you can go on the internet yeah. and Google out. And probably, if it's not true, you probably want to find out it's not true. Okay? Uh, I don't want to say that Agents don't make mistakes, we do. I don't want to say there are some, some are bad agents, yes. Sometimes some agents do bad things. They do things they know, they know they're not supposed to do, and they do mistakes. But this is happening in all professions. Some doctors make mistakes, yeah. not because they want to, but some even because they want to too, okay? So some teachers do mistakes. So there's no profession where people don't make mistakes. Same thing gonna to happen to insurance. Some well, well, mistakes, well said. Well but said. But you cannot, you cannot yeah. deny everybody else because of some do mistakes. You know what I mean? Nah, and I appreciate it. I appreciate this answer. But now we we it's time for hot topics. Hot topics. It's uh okay. the segment where we talk about questions people don't have a chance to talk. And okay. we're gonna we have Vital Garcia with us. He's an agent um from New York Life um insurance so vital so the first question will be for you is like all a life insurance policy pays out uh no no yes and no <laughs> okay. That's right, yes and no so life insurance there are normally two main categories of life insurance there are a lot of life insurance life insurance uh, bundle, if I can say, it is, is huge. There's a lot of options inside, okay? I don't have time to go through all of them, but the main way to differentiate, there are ones we call permanent life insurance or all life. There's one we call temporary or term term life insurances. And the main difference is that the term or temporary life insurances, they're bound by time period can be 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. They have a time limit. And they're normally cheaper. Okay, the little many people take them because they're cheaper than the other ones, the permanent ones. And because they don't give as much benefit than the other ones. Pretty much the only benefit you got from the term life, temporary life, is what they call the face amount or the amount you're going to receive if the person insured dies. Okay? And that one, it just is cheaper and there are reasons why people were selected that. So if you compare buying a house and renting a home, same thing, okay? So your whole life or permanent insurance, like you buying a house, you pay the mortgage, it takes longer sometimes, it's more expensive, but your house will be yours for life, it's yours. You can pass it on to your children, grandchildren, or whatever. And the renting a house is not yours. You pay any money, you pay the rent, and one day you leave, you don't renew, then you leave, but the house stays, the house belongs to you. So okay. temp temporary insurances, if the person should die within the time period when the insurance, and so I'm just silencing myself on here. If the person died within the 10 year, 20 year period, life insurance, yeah. they're gonna receive the, the payout. Okay. But if the person doesn't die, they don't. But if you do a term life, a war life that is permanent, you always going to get paid because permanent doesn't matter when you die. It's permanent, guaranteed, whatever the person's die, at age six, at eight, one year, one day after that, or whatever, until you die. Yeah, that's the main difference. But, so it's pay out normally. 
but okay. temporary temp, temp if the person died within that temp time period yes so what is an underwater underwater and why do we need the one okay there are many riders many riders and the riders they can uh, supplement to the life insurance and some of riders are free At least I can talk about your life. I can talk about other, about other companies. Okay, some riders are free, mean they automatically included in your insurance. Like one rider that in New York is free is the rider to convert. I mean, if you buy a temporary life insurance and later on you want to convert all of it to a permanent life insurance or some of it to a permanent insurance, like a 50%, 20%, 10%, whatever amount, okay? Or of, of it, or part of it, or at the end of the term life insurance, you want to renew it, it comes for free. You don't need to pay for that, all right? But there are other riders that you pay for. And the reason why is just to give you some additional option. For instance, there's a rider to say, you can add your spouse or your partner. Yeah. So you are paying a little bit extra okay. to say that down in the future in 10, 15 years, if I want to add my wife, my husband, my partner into this rider to be able to do that, you'll have to do that. Or add your children into the policy down the road. All right. Or other riders are to allow you to be able to increase the amount, face amount of your policy. You pay that little rider. So every couple of years, every three years, three years, you have the right to say, I want to add 50 more thousand dollars to my policy. Okay. And you are allowed to do that. So the right is just to help you complement certain yes. things that you might want to do down the road, yes. So now the question is, how do you choose a beneficiary? Yes. The, how do you choose one? Like, what's the best way to choose one when we should... Who should be your yes. beneficiary? We, uh, you can choose anyone you want to be beneficiary. Well, anyone in, in, in a way, yeah. But normally it need to be someone associated with you, preferentially, like a family member, relative. Can it be spouse, can it be children, can it be parents, can it be grandparents, things like that. But there are some criteria you need to take in consideration. Number one, if you're going to choose a beneficiary that is minor, that's not even 18 years old, Let's say that uh, the insured pass away. Now the insurance company got to issue a check, $100,000, $500,000, to someone that is a minor. He's not even 18. Can you see that person that's 12 years old? Now you got to end a $500,000 check or a million, million dollar check. They're not whole enough to do that. Okay. So ideally, you want to put a beneficiary that is at least 18 because he's old enough to know if something happened, he got that check to be able to know what to do with the check and do exactly what he's supposed to do with the check. You don't want to use it because if you put to a minor, then probably going end up going to the court to go through the court to make sure that whoever, because the court want to make sure they don't want that someone want to take his money and go and waste it, spend it all in the wrong things. And the beneficiary might never even get the benefit of the money that was left for them. So, yes, you're going to be sure uh, you talk to your agent, you know, to discuss when you got about to decide who should be your best beneficiary, you know. All right. And uh, like in New York life, most of the time, beside your first beneficiary, we have a second beneficiary, like a backup. Okay. Because sometimes your first beneficiary might not be around <laughs> when time comes to get to get the payment. The payment okay. Check. So, yes. So, let's say both beneficiaries are not available what happens to the check if none of beneficiaries are available and you in your will didn't state anything in your will to say that uh, in event your beneficiaries are not available you want a check to be given to your state normally depending on the state and there's another thing that different states have different policies so that's why one thing we also do and this is what is very important for people to understand that When you talk for me, for instance, if you talk to someone for New York Life, you only don't talk to someone that sells life insurance. At New York Life, we are trained to be financial advisors, like myself. So a financial advisor does not only sell you life insurance. 
they're trying to help you to have a financial plan to help you secure and guarantee that when you retire, assets to provide you the lifestyle that you want to have when you retire. And then if one day you're not around, your assets, okay, will be passed on called part of legacy to whoever you want it to be passed on, right? Your children, grandchildren, or whoever is person. So yes, some companies, the, the agent only do life insurance because that's only what they do. And pretty much that's all. We in your life, we do more than that. Okay. I do life insurance, yes, but I don't see myself just as a life insurance seller. I'm a professional financial, uh, I'm a financial professional, uh, financial advisor. So I help people with life insurance if they need to, definitely. It's important. But I'm also helping people with long-term care planning. I can help people with the college funding for the children. Oh, wow. in accounts, you know? So when I talk to my clients, I don't just say, hey, you know about life insurance? How much you need? No, I cannot do that because my goal is to help my clients prepare themselves. Yeah. What's life insurance goal is? It's not just to give you money when someone dies. It's to use it as a tool to help someone build a good financial planning, financial plan. So when I see to my clients, I don't say, start, hey, go to buy life insurance, buy this. No, I don't do that. What I want to know, ask them, sir, ma'am, what are your financial goals? Okay. Are you guaranteed? When you retire, do you have guaranteed income? Another thing, for instance, many people don't know. If you take your social securities, you can start taking social security when you're 62 years old. But if you start taking it at 62 years old, you pretty, pretty much you're losing 6 to 8% a year if you start taking it at 62 years old. You rather should wait until at least 66 to start taking it because you lose money or even better at 70. The longer you wait to start taking social security, you get more full pay out of your social security than if you start at 62. So people start taking 62, they're leaving behind 6 to 8% a year of that money. Wow. So wow, when, wow. I talk, when I talk to my client, I want to understand do you have social security when you plan to take it? And tell them, help, handle them, teach them. Listen, if you don't need to take it at age 62, wait until 66 or better, wait until 70. Because the longer you wait, more money you're going to receive. So if you start taking it at 62, you're going to take maybe 12,000 here. But if you wait until you are like a, you are a 66, maybe that 12 become 18,000 dollars a year. But if you wait until you're 70, Maybe the team will become twenty-four thousand a year. So you are losing six thousand, eight thousand dollars a year. Plus, because wow. take it earlier, people don't know this, you know. So wow. another thing people don't understand: if people come and talk to me, I want to say, okay, how are you going to survive when you retire? You just want to live in your social security? You don't have anything else? We 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 had you know? a we had an episode with um, Barry Brownstein. He's a he, he's a forty years engineer and he has a second career as a photographer. Mm -hmm. So after retirement, he keep working, but he, he he went to do something else, which is very fascinating. You can check it online on tppodcast.com okay. um, or YouTube um, on that on that episode. So my question for you now is: How does your religious background help you go to your day to day job? Yes, my background definitely helped me out. Uh, for To do the kind of job I'm doing right now, you need to be willing to talk to people, meet people. <laughs> There's no way you're going to be successful in this job if you don't talk to people because you got to meet clients, talk to them, either by phone, by Zoom, and in person. Preferentially in person, because you can sometimes, I believe Zoom is okay, and sometimes you got to use Zoom, and thank God by Zoom. Uh, that you do during COVID, you know. But as every time it's possible to be close or face to face, I think it's better because it build a better. Uh, for me, as I said, the way we train in New York Life and the way I see my business, it's not just as like a, helping people to buy something they like and they need, service or product, but it's building a relationship. Okay. 
So if you want to build a relationship, you need to meet people, know what they like, what they don't like, and let them know you, you know, to trust you. Because most businesses are effective when the people involved in the business trust each other. There got to be a trust, a certain level of trust. Yes, trust. Otherwise, you cannot be successful in the business. So by working in oil company, company like I work for ExxonMobil, I work for another big, one of the, is the largest private-owned logistics and supply company in United States America, offshore company, the Edison Shoes Offshore. And I learned to deal with uh, different kind of jobs. Uh, at one time, I was managing, you know, $100,000, million a year uh, asset. So I learned through my careers that you need to treat other people the way you like to be treated. And uh, always give people the benefit of doubt. If you do something you don't understand, you don't like, don't assume right away they did it with the wrong intention. Okay? Try to put yourself in other people's shoes. Because you don't know. Yeah, you give, know them, you might them the benefit of the doubt. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, the benefit of the doubt, you know. Yes, yes. Because, you know, uh, for instance, today, uh, my meeting is supposed to be a different time with you. Then I reach you logistics to find a room. Then I call you, we talk to you, and you were very accommodating to to reschedule it today, just a couple of hours, an hour later, half an hour later. Give me benefit of doubt. Yeah. Because you say, okay, I don't know, but if he's asking me something, I got to do that. This is supposed to be in a business, you know? So you got to be willing to talk to people. You got to be willing to accept people as they are, respect people, you know, give them benefit of doubt. And you got to be able to also, you know, be someone that you make people understand that you are not there to scam them, to take advantage of them, but really to help them. Okay? Yeah. And that's another fear many people have. Many people fear talking to a agent or financial advisor or particularly life insurance agent because assuming you know, you just trying to sell me life insurance and they want to try to take advantage of me. Maybe even, even if I pay this premium and then I die, maybe my family won't even see the money and so on and so on. But I want to tell you, this is very unlikely, unlikely it won't happen. Again, I repeat, it's very unlikely that if your family member that is insured and his policy, life insurance policy is active, means valid, if they die, they won't receive the money. Very unlikely. This is going to happen only if when they die, they didn't have no first beneficiary, no second beneficiary, and they didn't left the will to say, if my beneficiaries are not around, I need my life uh, insurance, that benefit to be part of my asset. All right? Because if you say that, they're going to put it part of all your assets, and then whatever you put in your will, they're going to get that, 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 uh, that money. Oh, okay. So there are very rare cases that someone that died and did what they said, give beneficiaries or whatever, the will specifically stating how the money to receive that, that didn't get the money. That's a very rare cases. Very rare cases. So, yes, as again, insurance agents can do mistakes. As I say, some do it unintentionally or intentionally, you know, but if they do it intentionally, I can guarantee you they're going to be caught. They're suspended, depending on the gravity of the situation. They can be fined up to $10,000. And they can be persecuted and go to jail. Okay, so people only people to understand that you shouldn't be afraid. You should always be comfortable. And if you feel that the insurance agent is pushing you to do something you don't want to do, they say thank you, sir. I don't want to do it. Don't do it. Okay. Or they ask you, they, they say something you don't feel. You feel red flat. Write it down. Say I want to talk to you later. And go verify that information with someone else, a second third party. Call someone else to verify the information. Uh, definitely. So now, <clears throat> I understand you. You want to promote uh, a product, right? Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Uh, so what I really want to tell uh, your audience, and uh, thank you for the opportunity again. I would like to tell people that New York Life really want to help. Uh, the first responders, specifically people involved uh, in working in hospital, okay? It can be a doctor, it can be a nurse, 
anyone work in hospital and that you have a family member that they die. So New York Life create what they call uh, this uh, heart. They call it heart, you mean, you know, because it is uh, heart of brave. It's called heart of brave. No, the brave of heart, I'm sorry. The brave of heart fund. So this fund is to help families that their loved ones work at hospital, doctors, nurses, any type of job in hospital. And those people pass away, they die due to COVID. Not to any other reason. It got to be died due to COVID. So if you have a family member that it got to be related to you, mom, dad, siblings, you know, uh, that died due to COVID or spouses, okay? I want you to reach out to New York Life. You can reach out to me and you can get my, my contact to uh, the podcast or you can reach out contact to any New York Life. So this uh, fund, last time I saw, had about uh, $60 million. $60 million in this fund. So they split in two groups, 50 million first group and then 45 million second group. So the 50 million first part is to help specifically with uh, the funeral. So if you need help to pay for funeral expenses of your loved one that died with COVID and that person worked for hospital, doctor, nurses, any kind of job in hospital, the 50 million fund is to help with this. You know, help you, it's kind of loan at very low interest rate, okay, okay to go borrow, Okay. The, the only qualification is that your relative died with COVID and they work at the hospital. Okay. Don't check your credit history. Don't check your uh, other uh, other requirements. As if you go in a bank, they want to ask for or ask for credit card. No. The goal is to help families of those ones that die with COVID and those who want to work at the hospital. They're first responders, okay? So the $50 million first group is just to help you pay for the funeral expenses. The second group is $45 million as well. That $45 million is to help with the expense, the other cost of living expenses. Like if I'm, a parent died, one of your parents died, now the other parent is widow, and then he got to raise his kids. And the income of the employee, hospital employee that, that that is there now was a big support for them. And unfortunately, they need somehow help. So the 45 million fund is to help with those expenses, uh, the cost of living expenses, you know? So I encourage, I ask everyone, if not you or if you have a family, a friend, a neighbor, a church friend that might know someone that died with COVID and their families right now need help. Please reach out to New York Life, reach out to me, or go on the internet and type it, okay? And type it there, it's a uh, Heart of Brave, okay? Uh, it's a good New York fund just to help, okay? You don't need to buy any product to New York Life to qualify. You don't need to be a New York Life client to qualify, right? There's no requirement that for you to receive this help assistance, you got to be part of New York Life. You need to buy a product, no, 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 nothing. The only thing you need, two requirements. You got to be relative of that person that passed away. And that person passed away, worked at the hospital, you was a healthcare worker, and they died with COVID. Of course, you're going to need that certificate to prove that, okay? But other than that, you don't need to buy any New York product, New York services. You don't need to be a New York agent. And you got to be, of course, based uh, resident of the United States state territory. So in any one of the 50 states in United States America, okay? So uh, please, uh, it's, uh, it's something that New York Life is very engaged and uh, New York Life want to help. Our first responders, their families, that's why they set up this fund available. But the deadline is until end of this year. Okay. So this is still in July. So you have pretty much another five months plus, you know, a couple of days. Today's 27, so five months and four days. You have until the 31st of December, 2021, to apply for this one. All right? So go to New York Life, uh, Heart of Brave, 
look it out. If you need questions, you can reach out to me or any New York Life agent that should be able to assist you with it. Thank you for that. All right. Thank you. Well said. Well said. So last word, last word for you, Vital Garcia. Thank you. Uh, the, the Divine Purpose Podcast for the great opportunity. Thank you, my dear brother and friend, Eddie, for giving me this uh, opportunity Welcome. to share my story and uh, being in your podcast. And I'm looking forward to keep working with you in the future. And uh, I hope uh, your audience is going to be blessed and uh, they're going to learn something from uh, my life, from my background, my sensory and my career. And uh, again, don't be afraid of New York life or life insurance agents because even though some might make mistakes, overall, warmly, overall of us, we are available, trained to help you. Our main goal is to help our clients because we benefit more when our clients do well than when they do bad, all right? So if you have questions, just ask. If you're not sure, take a pause and go look for a second to your opinion. You know required, there's no law that force in North America that every time you meet an agent, you need right away, right there, do what they're telling you. In fact, in New York Life, we are trained that we don't decide for our clients, we do recommendations. We identify their needs, based according to their needs, we do recommendations, we let them decide. So our goal is to help our clients. It's not to hurt them or do anything wrong to them. Thank you. Uh, well said. You. Well said. Appreciate it, Vital Garcia. This is our 14th episode. Um, this is this episode is brought to you by Darcy's Facilities Management. This is Eddie Darcy's. Every Wednesday, we're gonna have a new episode. You can check us online at dppodcast.com, on YouTube, DP Podcast Live, and on Twitter, Facebook. And if you want to listen to our podcast, you can go on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, DP Podcast Live. Thank you and have a great day. See you guys next.